the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Rescuers, the show about people who change and save lives. Now, here's your host, Art Brooks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rescuers Radio Show, heard every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360 and faithtalk1360.com. And please go to the rescuersradioshow.org website. You will find and listen to all of the shows there from day one. And right now we're in uh, program number 154 in our fourth season. Who would have thought of that except for God? So, um, and you can also donate to the show if, you, if you'd like. There's a way to, to walk you through that on the website. I have a great guest. We've been friends for a long time. We've known each other for a long time. And uh, David Haneke, producer and at uh, Opening Moments Media Corporation. So, David, nice to have you on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Art. <laughs> Man, uh, we, could, we could just share all story, a lot of stories. But, <laughs> yes. But uh, what we're here to learn about you and, and your ministries and, uh, and the, the wonderful thing that, that you, you've done around the world in God's name. Um, so... You have, uh, you have. We're going to start off by talking about your family and your yourself primarily. Uh, how did you get to this point in your life? So I'd say I grew up in California. You don't have to hold that against me, surfer just... boy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I would say it was not a typical kind of family. There was just a lot of movement. Uh, my own rescue story there. So. Uh, my folks, we moved 17 times in 17 years by the time I got to college, and there was uh, six marriages. It, was just a, it wasn't necessarily a safe environment growing up for a teen or preteen. But I was very thankful that God takes what man meant for evil, and he, re- he redeems it, and he uses it for good, which is awesome. Yeah. So, so my, I relate a lot to rescuing or redemption. Yeah. Um, that came later in life, but it was, uh, I'm a big fan of Second Corinthians 5.17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. So that story of redemption. So I, I'd say, yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, that's basically how nice. I got started. When I was young, my grandparents saw that I was very artistic. I, I was in music. And they gave me a 35 millimeter camera. It was the best thing I got. So, so I think I started telling stories pretty young. I took that, got on the yearbook staff. Um, I remember there was an event at your high school. It was at the high school. Yeah. There was an event where we had this sort of a, a Broadway type of a show. Oh, nice! And so we, I took portraits of all of the singers, all the high school kids, and I, I created a little. Uh, you know, uh, thing to put out in front of the show for all the parents to see. When I came out at the end of the night to take that home, 
there were no pictures. You know, parents had taken them all those home, so I uh, I felt honored that they all had my work in their home. You know, I had worked <laughs> <laughs> to awesome. make those. So we started telling stories. I think uh, early on with uh, with yearbook uh, on the campus, and you know, I think because of my uh, upbringing, I think I focused on a lot of other people. So I watched their stories, you know, looked through father figures, looked through a lot of different people's lives. And I think that's kind of how I got started at a very young age, telling other people's stories. Yeah. Because it just seems so interesting. Neighbors, friends, people at church, uh, uh, you know, musicians. And so those stories just kind of started coming out. Yeah. What was your uh, instrument of choice? My voice. So <laughs> <laughs> I sang. And I was in choirs yeah, and I sang, did handbells. Okay. Yeah. How about that? I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, my grandfather, my dad, my mom were all, all musicians. So you learn music theory, which is math, you know, and so it keeps your mind very active. And yeah. I think in those, in those moments of singing, you know, you learn a whole lot about life stories. Oh, and, yeah. You know, beautiful things. And then the music actually ends up later in life. It actually became super important to the productions that I do. Because I, I like custom music, and I can instruct my composers quite well. Yeah, they're always like, "How do you know all this?" I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, I was a kid, and I was in a lot of choirs and bells. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, um, you have a great belief in in power of story, like mm-hmm. you're talking about, and and are proclaimed a storyteller. Uh, on the surface, now, what kind of stories uh, applies to that? What have you done? And uh, please share with us the kinds of stories uh, and take take some time here to do that. Don't worry about the t- clock. Sure. I yeah. think the storytelling, jumping ahead a little bit to college, I, when I got to ASU, I also got on the yearbook staff. That was an award-winning staff. I was honored to be a part of that. And so there were stories uh, laid in all throughout schools. One story in particular, there was just, just, we had a, a disability day. I forget what it was called. But we were honoring disabled kids. And showing some of their skills and being able to play tennis and being able to get wow. out and do academics and also just do things one-handed or one. And so I remember, uh, you know, photographing, being a part of that story on the yearbook. Uh, not not me, not my story. It's other people's stories. Yeah. But it was so beautiful because each person had their own unique story. So I think that began doing a lot of things. I um, I was I came to Christ uh, early early in my college years. I was part of Scottsdale Bible Church, and so that redemption process got new. But they had always asked me. I think I took my grandparents' camera with me, <laughs> and so I was telling a lot of slideshows back in the day. Uh, we would show uh, what what people were doing, and I think a lot of times when you go on short term missions as a a teen or, or tw- young 20s, you're learning a lot about God. You're learning a lot about yourself. And so kids would talk about their stories and we'd show photos. Now, photos are worth a thousand words, but when you add that to somebody's testimony of what they learned or who they talked to or some people that yeah. they that they were loving, uh, that that's kind of how that got started. So I was, wow. I was 18 years old starting to do those things and found it hard not to take my camera everywhere, <laughs> everywhere, <laughs> everywhere I went. I think it, Getting a little bit older, I, I went to a, a missions consortium breakfast in the East Valley led by Meg Crossman. And she, I just sat down next to a guy. I had no idea that it was the speaker for the day. But oh. we, we built a relationship over you know, bagels. And he ended up uh, becoming a mentor. Actually, he's been a mentor of mine for the last 40 years. Great. So, but he had found out about my, you know, carrying a camera everywhere. And he's like, he's like, hey, we're, uh, we're, we're, we're trying to tell our own stories. And, and uh, I've got these six countries I'd like for you to, to come along with me. I'd like to, um, to, to have you sort of talk about how, th- what they do is they train and equip 
yeah. pastors and leaders, and it's a multiplication thing. So they say, please train us. We want to know how to love our neighbors. We've got all these people, inner city. We've got yeah. uh, trafficking. We've got issues with drugs in our city. T- teach us how we can you know, enter into this world and, and love these people well. Yeah. And so he took me, uh, or sent me actually, to six countries uh, talking about these stories with their clients, if you will, churches, people of the church, how they started doing this and how it was radically changing communities five, 10, 12, 15 years later. Wow. So um, um, was one of the countries Uganda? Yes. I ask you that because um, I may have seen it in some of your information, but I ask you that because um, the past week and a half, I became very close friends now with a pastor from Uganda that was here for a conference at Dream City Church. And then he went to San Diego for another conference. And he left uh, this morning to go back. Uh, here's a guy that uh, he and his wife uh, started a orphanage 25 years ago. Mm. Every day they have a 840 kids. Mm. That's a huge orphanage. Yeah. Big. And they are finding ways to, they need, they need ways to, to feed them, to take care of health care. But in that country, and, and I'm not going to take up much your time here because this is your show. <laughs> so uh, but, your well, show. what I learned from him was just astounding. Uh, when, when they started the uh, orphanage, AIDS was just everywhere and, and uh, killing children, people. And... Um, since they've taken them, those kids into this orphanage, the AIDS uh, academic is now down two-thirds of what it was b- before they opened up the or- orphanage. Yeah, praise God. Yeah. So so I'm, I'm sure you've seen all kinds of stories. So give us, give, give us a, a, a history book here of, of where you went. What, what did you do? What were you looking for? So in uh, Uganda, and I think, was that Watoto? Was, was that where you were? Was Watoto, the Watoto Orphanage? Maybe not. So It's called Winners. Winners. Mm-hmm. He wanted the kids to have self-esteem, which they did not have, and he called it Winners, W-I-N-N-E-R-S. Okay. And, and that's his website as well, winners.com. Yeah, and it's a beautiful thing to uh, be a part of different churches. Uganda is so fascinating uh, from the standpoint, churches there, uh, sometimes uh, one church in particular has 2,500 small groups, you know. Wow. And so not to overwhelm, uh, one of the stories that we told was just how people that were not, that were uh, uh, abused or like not recognized or not honored, yeah. how they were brought to some recognition. So a small group within this uh, church had had identified the police uh, because in in America, we honor the police mostly. Yeah. We, we respect them. We yes. we do what they say. We don't, you know. We, um, but in other countries, they, you know, they they are not honored. They're not respected. They're not thought of well, and they oftentimes are, uh, you know, uh, not treated well. Yeah. So a small group of ladies decided in the church that they wanted to honor the police. So they put together what they call a police appreciation day, oh. and they brought in. 
you know, ambassadors, and they brought in some key leaders in the in the city, and they had this in the middle of the, the town, right down in the middle of the square. They had an honor the police day. They had bands playing. They had you know, it was it was pretty awesome. It was a big wow. deal. But it was a big deal for the police. I mean, I saw yeah. tears in the eyes of these guys because they'd never been respected. Oh. They they saluted. They stood still. And these ladies were able to talk uh, about how they were loved, and they were able to minister to their families. Uh, sometimes their kids needed help with school supplies and clothing, and they were able to do this because they got involved in honoring these police there. So we told that was one of the stories that we wanted to bring to light because the, the idea being that the church— um, and I can I step back to one just a thing back yeah. when, I was, when I was younger. Uh, it's your show. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for allowing me to be here. Uh, so uh, when I was in college, I was looking before I graduated, before I did any of this traveling. I, I was looking for what is it, God, that you have, you know, for me. What do you want me to do? So I heard about a program that was called Life Purpose Ministries. It was led by Joanne Haas. And she had she had studied all these tests and exams where people look at their skills and their crafts and their abilities, and they base it on some of the people that are in the mm. business, right? Yeah. And so they, uh, she had had given us four tests, and at the end of that, she, I think she's gifted of the Lord. She says, you know, David, you'd be very. What, what I feel like God's calling you to is influencing the church through the through media, through the arts, through music, wow. and uh, that was just my heart's cry, you know. Yeah. So when I get to these communities and I look at what the church, my heart bleeds the church all the time. It's like that's Christ's bride, and mm-hmm. he's desi- he's you know he has uniquely designed all the people in the church, yeah. you know, be they whatever they are, you know, yeah. in any denomination, they are designed to be his hands and feet, to be his ambassadors, to be. So when I see things like these ladies honoring the police, you know, I could take you to a different country, even in um, in Hong Kong, we were just. Again, the church had discovered a group home of some kids that didn't had some learning disabilities. Beautiful people, mm, yeah. you know, autistic people, and people yeah. like this. And they saw that they were not being taken care of as well as they could. So they're like, "Let's just go in and let's just love on these people. Let's give them haircuts. Let's talk to them. Let's yeah. play some games." And so people sometimes often think. Uh, you know, w- what can I do? I'm part of the church, right? I see all these needs on street corners, and I see, but I don't know where to go. And so the idea behind some of these documentaries is just to show, okay, here's in Southeast Asia, or, you know, Asia, yeah. Hong Kong, yeah. here's what the church is doing, and here's an idea. Now, the Holy Spirit, you know, use do your work in the lives of people in the church in the same region and show them, okay, this is Hong Kong. Because people in Hong Kong might look at something that's, a story that's being done in Uganda, and they might say, "Well, that's fine for Uganda." I mean, they've yeah. got people; they've got all kinds of orphans, and they've had, you know, Idi Amin and all the regimes that yeah. were, you know, evil. But that won't work here in Hong Kong. So, so we're going to different regions. We're actually on a uh, right now. Currently, we have uh, nine more regions that we're going to be going to to kind of t- take away the excuse of. Well, we really couldn't do that here, <laughs> right? So, I mean, even the United States is so different. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I can take you different places. There's some beautiful, beautiful things. You, you, had, you had said before the show something about sex trafficking. So up in Ethiopia, and Ethiopia right now is having more war and more death than any time in the history of the world. But they, wow. uh, when I was there, it was relative peace times. But there was a group at the church that said, you know, we have a lot of ladies who are in sex trafficking. And they're being abused, and they're trying to provide honestly for their for their kids. They're like, why don't we start? So they got some ladies of the church, and they started teaching these ladies some sewing skills and how to create revenue and how to create capital so they can actually 
support their own families. Yeah. And so we recorded their stories. We talked to a lady nice. who was in former, formerly a, she was in uh, you know, the slavery business and she was just uh, showing us her work, but also explaining how she was starting to come to know Jesus and how she was starting to, people were talking about, the, so the idea is that they, they meet Jesus, they see him as they're loved, as they're cherished, as they're valued, as their precious lives come to start blooming. Yeah. Somewhere along the line, they meet Jesus, right? He starts infusing his spirit into them and then they start discipling other ladies and helping rescue others. So those are really gorgeous um, stories. And of course, you know, that's in Ethiopia, but um, Ethiopia is very, very different than other countries. Uganda and Ethiopia are very, very different. So those regionally, they have different uh, applications of what the church might do. So, Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I remember the story of this pastor that I was telling you about with the orphanage. He came to Christ. Uh, he was actually born Muslim because it's primarily a Muslim country. And he he was born in as a Muslim, but he found uh, God. Um, there was there were people on street corners everywhere screaming and hollering in your face about God, mm-hmm. and he thought, "Ugh, I don't like that." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it wasn't what he was quite looking for, and then he then. Uh, but it did open a door for him to do a little more research and find Jesus a, a different way and bring him in, have a relationship. And and so he left uh, thinking, gosh, if this is the only way for God to be here, it's, I don't I don't think that's mm-hmm. what we want to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, you know, different countries, different ways. But and they're they've been able to do this work despite the Muslim community around them. Uh, it's kind of a, does that make sense? Absolutely. They're, they're protected. I think they're protected by God. So we've, you know, as I've traveled, and I can't give tons and tons of details, but Nepal, for example, is, uh, we did a documentary there of, of the church reaching out. And it is Hindu, it's Muslim, it's, you know, it's Buddhist. Yeah. Um, but they, um, one of the things that they did was uh, there's it's a, there's a kingdom in Nepal. There was a king at the time, and they had indentured slaves. They actually created an entire village of people that were serving the king. And so when the kingdom was broken up in Nepal, these people did not have income. They didn't have education. They didn't have a lot of things. So the church was like, hey, one man from the church was like, I'm just going to go uh, and I'm going to start teaching the kids under a tree. I'm just going to sit under the tree and <laughs> help these kids learn, you know, all different ages, right? And so that tree ended up turning into a mud hut, you know, and then with <laughs> classrooms. And that mud hut turned into classrooms with uh, container schools. And But the church also came alongside and drilled wells and said, you know, you guys need drinking water. Yeah. And then they started educating the women. Um, they started educating the men on some skills that they could use to provide for themselves. So these are just, they came alongside, uh, they were doing uh, one of the beautiful small micro business loans, if you will, is they, we were out in the bush, okay, like there was yeah. no, nothing around, just huts. Uh, but they were teaching the men, okay, we're going to give you a goat. You're going to mate that goat with another goat. They're going to have baby goats. And then you're going to, one of the things that we're going to, you're going to give a goat to another neighbor and the same thing's going to happen. So they had this propagating a small business. So then they started teaching them, you know, 
uh, accounting skills. Okay, so what do you do with the money? How do you, you know, n- these guys are not Christian. They're, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't really know exactly. I think they're, <laughs> anyway, so, but they were teaching them skills, but because they could see the love coming from the people in the church and helping these young people, yeah. giving them a future and a hope and training them where they had sort of just been dropped by the king. Yeah. And, and, it, and it was just very beautiful. So those kind of stories can be done um, in any other place. You know, Nepal is not unique. There's places with yeah. there's Pakistan. There's a lot of countries that are very similar. Sure. Say, if you're late to, uh, coming into this episode of the Rescuers Radio Show, my guest is David Haneke, producer at Opening Moments Media Corporation. So, David, you must um, you don't you don't do all this traveling by yourself. You have a crew that goes with you, or or you meet someone else to work with you on these travels, right? Yeah, that's a great that's a great great question because uh, so when we started doing a lot of this, it would be a travel partner, and I I'm a very big fan of Paul never traveling by himself, right? So I take a travel partner because one 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 is up, the other's down, and when one super enthusiastic, <laughs> the other one's like, I didn't sleep. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, so, <laughs> right. So um, anyway, um, yeah, and. And so I always have a few, and then I started traveling with some uh, a, a small crew, usually three people. We take some gear and so forth. But recently, we've been working with people that are on the ground locally. So yeah. we just last year went to Mexico right in the middle of COVID. You know, they had uh, four red marks. It's like, do not come in. I'm, I told my host, I said, Whoa. is this a really good time? He's like, oh, it's not a problem. Yeah, we have a lot of uh, problems down here, but just come. We'll take care of you. <laughs> Whoa. So, but we, uh, so we do. Uh, there are oftentimes really talented people on the ground that I can collaborate with. As you know, in production, yeah. 60% of what we do is before we even get on the ground, yeah. right? And yeah. so there's planning, there's logistics, there's locations, yeah. there's pre-interviews. And people, uh, you know, we write the script, so which I don't have today. I feel a little uncomfortable, so, <laughs> so there's no script. Right? It's, just, uh, it's all about trust. <laughs> so, right? But there is... Uh, one of the beautiful things in production, my favorite thing, is uh, is working with some really talented people. My my philosophy is I don't have to be the most talented person in the world. I just need to know who they are so I can put them on the team. So I have a great writer, a couple guys, actually. I've got great cinematographers, you know, really good lighting people, really good composers, really good editors, um, just anybody that's involved. Um, you know, it takes it takes a small army to put together stories, you know. So a couple of questions. Um, what have been your greatest joys in your travels and your, your filming? That's a great question. So, you know, I think for me, God, much like what I was talking about when we were back in college, okay, <laughs> and, you know, you go on a, a short-term trip to, uh, you know, to bless other people, presumably, right? And then in the process, God opens eyes, to new things, new new scenarios. And I, you know, it's always hard when people say, you know, there's 21 countries where we've done some documentary work. It's always oh. hard to say, which which country do you think is the most interesting? Yeah. I could tell you the most bizarre. I could tell you, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, um, and I could also tell you, um, yeah, the blessings. You know, I think uh, what I learned, like I'll, I'll talk about Mexico. This was just a year and a half ago. So the church was working in three different communities, but uh, what I saw was that it doesn't take huge efforts. Let me tell you a story of Caesar. Sure. So Caesar is a, a, 
I grew up with a dad who was uh, into drugs and into alcohol and was very, very absent when he was growing up. So he naturally became looking for buddies. He he got into drugs. But as he came to know Jesus through a relationship with one of the leaders in the church, he was being discipled, and he has an amazing ability to relate to other young men who are in the same environment, by the way, being uh, lured by these drugs and money and so forth. Because think about it, a teenager who can go out and sell drugs and take home 100 or 200 whatever dollars, yeah. or they go out and they sell candy and they take home $2 or $3, what are they going to do? Right. So he's uh, a soccer player. He's kind of a stud. You know, he's solid. He has a small recycling business. And so he hires these kids into his recycling business to help him. And, he, you know, he, he piles all this stuff on a big truck, takes it to point A, wow. point B, point C, and recycles, right? These kids get involved in, like, entrepreneurism. But he's also a soccer coach. And so every, you know, every now and then he'll say, hey, guys, let's do a soccer game. So he'll, he'll uh, disciple the kids and show them what it's like to have a healthy life and give them alternatives. But those, I'd say that's probably one of my highlights is seeing that he doesn't have to do a whole bunch of stuff. He's already running a business. He's already really good at soccer. He has amazing relationships. Do what God's called you to do right in front of you. Is what, yeah. With that. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, gosh, there's so much more, but we're we're in our final two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so time flies when we're having fun, right? So, um, uh, gosh, if if someone in our worldwide audience, and when you are on the internet, it's yeah, we have to think that way because we don't know, always know. For for those in our audience that uh, would like to get in touch with you and or Opening Moments Media, how do they do that? So I have a website. It's openingmoments.com, and there's uh, there's a contact us tab, and that would be a great way to hear from people. And you can see the work there, and you can hear some of the stories and watch them yourself. Yeah, it's yeah. really fun. We appreciate it. So in the very last minute, what what project are you working on right now? So the project, we're working on, in the Philippines. Uh, there are people from the church working in all different aspects from, uh, you know, from uh, slavery to a young lady who's just discipling other young girls who are in extreme poverty. Mm-hmm. So we're getting ready to do that, hopefully when it's uh, not the, uh, the the sweat season, but <laughs> <laughs> we're working on those stories right now and there's some amazing things coming up that'll be uh, using crews locally in Philippines and directing them there with them. So oh, awesome. I'm really looking forward. Yeah, that's something awesome. that's happening pretty soon. Well, blessings. Thank doing, you. Uh, doing that. David, you and uh, Opening Moments Media are rescuers, and just thank you so much for being on the show. God bless you and all you do. Lord bless you. Thank you, Eric. All right. Thanks. Rescuers, Thursdays at 5.30 Arizona time on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ AM. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.